0: Hello, and welcome to Higher Voltage, a podcast about higher education that explores what's working, what's not, and what needs to change in higher ed marketing and administration. I'm your host, Kevin Tyler. Welcome back to Higher Voltage. I know it's been a little while since we've been together. Happy New Year to all of you. I uh, Hope your 2024 is off to a great start. I'm so pleased, so pleased, to welcome our first guest of the year, Mr. Benny F. Johnson. CEO of the American Marketing Association. Benny is a veteran marketing strategist and community builder with loads of knowledge in marketing and design and business strategy, as uh, a visionary global association leader with a strong track record of innovation and impact, and as a transformative executive driving change and building dynamic partnerships. Benny, thank you so much for joining us on Higher Voltage. It's so great to have you here. Please, Share
1: more about your background uh, that I didn't cover in your intro that you'd like for people to know. Oh my goodness! Just thank you so much for having me. You know, I think, you know, and and providing the platform for us to have a conversation. This is incredible. Um, you know, we joked about bios. It's always weird when you hear the bio. and the bio, you're Mister Johnson, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just Benny. But you know, it, it, it's fun to have that moment because. You know, when you're going through and kind of building a life and career, you don't think about those moments in this way. But it's kind of fun to have that moment to look back. I grew up as a kid who always loved marketing, and that was how I kind of integrated with the world—marketing and entrepreneurship. I wanted to start a business when I was a little kid. That's the thing that I always did. was always embraced it. So as you go through life, getting the call to have the opportunity to be the kid that loves marketing, to be the CEO of the marketing association was that kind of dream within a dream within a dream come true. So today I'm excited. I get a chance to help other people who have a passion for marketing grow and excel. I get to help organizations do that. But I've also been a practitioner and a student and a brand nerd and all the things that go along with making us successful marketers today as well. So, you know, this is good. And then I get to have fun conversations with you. Exactly. Oh, well, I'm excited for this one as well. There's
0: so many things to talk about right now, not just in marketing and higher ed, right. but marketing kind of in general, which I'm really glad and and happy to chat with you about in a little bit. My introduction to AMA is of course through AMA Symposium for Higher Education, yes. which I first attended maybe twenty nineteen, maybe twenty eighteen, I think, and immediately was like I need to get involved with this. This is a very important group of people that I need to connect with and learn from. And now I serve on the AMA planning committee, which I'm honored, honored, honored to be a part of. So I'm excited to talk to you about where we see higher ed marketing currently, but also how other kinds of marketing can inform the direction higher ed marketing can go. Because I think we can borrow a lot of those learnings from other industries in the work that we do
1: for higher ed. Oh, definitely. Um, Yeah. And and, and often, you know, those are our best learnings. Right. When we see these adjacent spaces, it gives us just enough different distance from our day to day to see the strategic jumps and opportunities. Right. It's just enough difference that allows you to be more aware. But, you know, I Mm -hmm. think there's so much in the contemporary practice of marketing, regardless of community you're in. Right. That speaks to that. The power of strategy, of thinking through, of being bold, of setting yourself apart, of being authentic content, you know, storytelling. And strategies that reinforce that, right? How do we understand right. both the science, the art, and the magic that is marketing? Yes,
0: yes. Before we get to some of the more of that, I'm just kind of curious. Well, since you said it, how you became a, a marketing kid, yeah. <laughs> but also <laughs> what got you to where you are today as the CEO of AMA?
1: I don't know. You know, i, I was a, <laughs> I was a teacher's kid. No one in my family was involved in business or marketing as well. My dad was. Uh, mathematician, early stage software engineer, and pastor. So I understood work, power of academics and community, right? My mom was an educator. And having a dad who's a pastor and a mom's an educator means one thing means that although I had two brothers in my household, we always had extra brothers. My space was a space in which my house was like the center of community. So people came in. So I learned a lot about kind of that power and saw my parents in volunteer roles. My dad with his university. He was on the board. He went to Wilberforce. So I learned a ton about the oldest historically run and operated African-American university. That was a source of pride in watching my dad talk about that. My mom was an educator and is retired now. So she taught at K through 12 and the collegiate level. So we knew that education was important in that. So then insert me, the oldest child, focus on school and those things in there, but love to pull things together that didn't exist before. Love to kind of say, what if? love to question and build things in and like the idea of the agency that creating your own business created. Right. And at, early on I kind of was drawn to that and the way I navigated that was all about marketing and brand. How do you create the better, this, the faster that the more efficient, the more dynamic that I didn't have all the words, I didn't have all the theories and the structure in there, but something really resonated for me in that space. And it, it just was a part of my kind of experience growing up and even looking Going into college and grad school, I look for spaces that would give me dynamism and opportunity. So I grew up a public school kid in here, D.C., really proud to be a public school graduate, but I'm also equally as proud to be a graduate of Yale. And so growing up, I was the first student in my high school in about 30 years to graduate from a D.C. public school and attend Yale. And so giving gave me a really kind of dynamic prospect of having that group of friends who were coming from different backgrounds and seeing the world in that space really is how you think about marketing, right? It's an empathy. It's an understanding of how others move and make decisions. How do you build agency? For me, thinking of businesses and building was this is a chance for me to create a better space. And so those ideas, message around that. And as I went on, I saw that oh, marketing is an opportunity to create community, you know, and practice, and then space within it. it's a way entrepreneurship doesn't have to be just business entrepreneurship. It can be social good. It can be enterprise. It can be nonprofit or for-profit, but marketing can be used in all those spaces. And so I think a lot about how we can use the skills that come with marketing to help us lead in and through marketing in our world. You know, I think about when people come to me, some of the stuff we learn in marketing is problem solving, creative thinking and engineering in there. How do we design solutions? You know, that applies everywhere. You know, and it's how do we use our marketing powers that are super indeed, but how do we use them for good and impact? So that's been the space in there. I always sought organizations that were either brand new ideas and concepts or places that needed my help to spin it around. Um, our common joke with my team and those who I've worked with is no one hires me to do the same thing they were doing before because my background was so different. It's like, okay, if you're hiring Benny, then you've committed to the fact that we're gonna radically change what we're doing. This isn't a question. I'm not the caretaker. I'm not going to continue what we've been doing in there. You're bringing me in because you want to challenge the future. And so early on, that was kind of a distant space, right? It's like, that wasn't cool 20 years ago to be the person who was like, we're going to break this all up and come up with something new, creative destruction. But over time, you start to see being true to that, that this is what I thought about, that that's what organizations needed. That's what initiatives needed. That's what programs needed to have a more responsive, dynamic way of thinking about our world. So that's kind of me thinking about it, you know, from the 30,000 foot view, but Kevin, I'd be remiss if I'd say, I thought about that all the way throughout. It was, wow, can I get the opportunity to do this? This is a great right. brand. This is a great product. Give me a chance, right? But that was early on. It was all about give me a chance. I remember uh, one of my first jobs and CEO became a mentor and had great connection with them. I remember having to beg him to get a marketing job. And he said, well, you went to Yale, so you shouldn't do marketing. You should work on Wall Street. And I was like, no, no, no. This is what, and we had to have this conversation where we basically, he was picking my brain on how to approach marketing and building product. And after he finished, he was like, yeah, you're a marketer. <laughs> you know, but, but but that kind of, that kind of gap of taking all those experiences and showing up in unexpected ways to deliver outmatch impact is what's really always driven me.
0: Mm, mm, I like that. I am curious about how you characterize or describe how marketing has evolved since you've been involved in the industry and what you Mm -hmm. think is going to happen next for marketing
1: as a prediction. Oh, that's always fun, right? We get the prediction because we know in our hearts that we're probably wrong, (laughs) but we know in our hearts that we think we're right, right? the prediction in there. What I can say is that what's confident is our world is dynamic and change is the constant, right? So I would say 25 years ago, it was like, oh, there may be this thing called change, right? And it was kind of, you sought it out, you know, sometimes it was happening, you weren't aware of it, but it was there nonetheless, and it was a longer arc, you know, thinking about how long, you know, things space, and they're thinking about kind of Moore's Law and other spaces in there of like change and adoption. Now you look at it space in there, change is the constant, and marketing for professionals, for teams, for organization, is really on the cutting edge of all of those change dynamics, whether it's new technologies, new approaches to technologies, new ways in which customers and audiences respond. If all of those things are changing, and one of the things I firmly believe is if we look at our world and we see the future of business changing, right, we can see that business has been changing. We see the future of work changing, how we approach that changing. If we follow that as an equation, if the future of business and the future of work change. By definition, the future of the profession and the professional have to change.
2: Higher Voltage is brought to you by eCity Interactive. For more than 20 years, eCity has created websites and digital marketing strategies and solutions for colleges and universities that deliver results and exceed expectations. Their latest offerings to higher ed clients include enrollment funnel diagnostics and enrollment support services that efficiently attract and engage potential applicants with results you have to see for yourself. To learn more, visit ecdinteractive.com.
0: So I love the way that you described the role of a marketer, uh, especially coming from the perspective of business goals, right? All of those things that you just listed, yes, are in fact solved by marketing. What we often see, though, especially in corporate spaces, is when cuts need to be made, marketing is typically the first first to go. And so how do we start to reposition the power of marketing, especially in vulnerable industries like say higher ed right (laughs) right now? How do we reposition the power of marketing in such a way so that people understand what it is capable of and that they don't want to cut it?
1: Yeah, this is one of those you're going to miss me when I'm gone moments, right? And, and that you have that. Sadly enough, that's a historical piece that we take with us on the marketing space in there because it was the variable spin versus the fixed asset and spin, right? So if you're making a cut, traditional the budget space in there, it's hard to cut the facility because you've got that over the long term. It's hard to cut the other pieces in there, but it becomes a accessibility space in there, right? You're hard pressed to cut technology because it's a box in which no one un- really understands what's going on. So which wire am I cutting, right? The finance, t- I'm not going to cut myself because I ha- someone has to be here to count the numbers, right? The CEO and executive leadership won't cut themselves in there. so It becomes a question of what are the things that become changeable? And the challenge is because our marketing spend is often variable, because it needs to reflect the goals and the space in there, we become the convenient, easiest cut, right? And that's, that's not speaking to anything that isn't true and hasn't been said and known deeply by anybody who's in marketing. You've been there when we are like, don't do it. It's far right. more expensive to restart it again, right? Do we have any other faces in there? We're delivering against the business goals in these other ways. Or my favorite part is you deliver against the goals and it's like, okay, well, we're doing well. We're meeting the goals every year. So magically that's happening, right? So this product's directing itself.
0: I agree with you on all those, but I think the other part of that conversation around why marketing tends to get treated the way it does is because everyone else thinks that they are also a marketer. right. I don't think that's be marketer.
1: You know, what I was going to be alluding to in there through license and complexity, people don't see themselves handling the, the money, right. Or the legal responsibility or the IT space because it seems messed up. But lots of people believe they can do marketing and that may be a truism, but lots of people can't do marketing well. And it is the adjective and the adverb of that that gives you that doing it well right so it's like well i can i can do that and what we've seen when looking at the best practices the emerging practices all the work that we do is doing marketing well doing marketing strategically and doing marketing right has an impact on your organization and the impact can be short mid and long range it is a positive impact to go in that space in there when you pull back and just kind of throw it out to like anyone can touch on that you get exactly what you've invested in which is exactly. which is a scatter shot. So you can be space and and I will quote my late grandmother who would love to say things like this: like a broke clock is right twice a day. You know, so that's a very analog statement from my grandmother coming from rural North Carolina. <laughs> that means nothing to our kids right now who are having Apple Watch and don't have the hands to see the digital space in there. <laughs> but you get the point here, right? That right. that luck is not expertise, right? It, yes. And so yes, I can always find a a point of truth to say, well, we cut it and we did something and something worked. But it's not the same as expertise. And when you are working in a profession, a profession is built upon the expertise. That's the art, the science, and the magic. It's built upon that space that goes into it. And that's why I love things like our symposiums that we have in the higher ed space. It was the first full AMA event that I attended as a CEO was coming in and walking in. And although I wasn't directly involved in higher education marketing, you could tell you'd found your people. Right. There was something a bit about it that was community that was focused that you saw, for lack of a technical term, I saw coaching trees. I worked Mm -hmm. with this group and then I got promoted and I worked here and I worked here and people who saw a legacy in the work they were doing. And you saw partnerships in. We have different communities and different audiences. I'm going to learn from your technique. You're going to learn from my technique. We're smaller universities. We see something together. We're public and private. We see something way together. You know, we're operating under different types of resources. We see something together right, and finding that space for that, which is really important. And organizations will make those mistakes. We don't want them to. We want us to get smarter so you can learn from others, right? Hmm. Not a good idea to cut your apparatus that increases your brand, your right. alumni engagement, your student application, and you're probably not a good thing for you to do if you're going to have a long-term success. Right. And, right? and how many of us have seen it happen? And we grimace when we see our friends and colleagues go through that separation from the things that they love, from the mission that they're supporting because someone else doesn't get the message.
0: Right, right. What do you think from, based on your experience, all the things you've done, where you sit now, what are the biggest opportunities for higher ed marketing right now?
1: Well, I think in higher ed marketing, we have a way, we have an opportunity to show that marketing matters and makes a difference. right? If we think about our universities and we think about our conversations, the stories are stories that you hear in a time of crisis. right? They're the, what happens next? Things are changing. My pipeline is different. There could be a, dare we say, often used statement now, enrollment cliff, right? All those things are statements of crisis. And in crisis, you have that proverbial danger and opportunity, right? And so I think that this is a space for marketing leadership to step up and use those skills that we talked about that are executive leadership skills to say, this is how marketing has a contribution to the challenges we see ahead right? I'm not one to say that marketing is going to solve everything by itself because you don't want to go into it by yourself. You need to have a bit of Avengers, right? Everyone in the Avengers has unique powers and skills, but they're better with all of them being together, you know? And so we have a power and skill that we need to bring to bear um, to have voices at the table, to have direction that's a space in there, but then bring our contribution to kind of solve these kind of challenging waters. And the challenge is not the same for every space, you know? Small liberal arts college has a different challenge than land-grant institution, has a different challenge than, you know, state research institution, large state college versus Ivy League, right? They all have different versions of the challenge that I believe that marketing has an answer for, right? Right.
0: Although the answer that we are able to communicate Mm -hmm. as marketers Mm -hmm. can only be as good as the raw material of the institution itself. Like if you're not solving the problems on your campus, then we don't have anything to market. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we are the next step. We are not the only step to solve the issues. We can't just say words, right? (laughs) The words have to be attached to some sort of reality.
1: Right. And you can actually market with hollow words. And I say this all the time, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Right, So you can, to be be honest, you can do it. I wouldn't advise it. It's not sustainable. It doesn't push you on the mission and impact. It is disingenuous with your audience. It erodes any credibility that you have, but you can do it. It's a bad decision. And it's a bad strategic decision. It's a bad ethical decision. It's a bad practice decision, right? And so that forces you to say, well, what is the unique proposition that we have? These kind of core business things that we think about, right? They don't go out of fashion. Like, why is this space in there? Not every school is for everyone, right? That's the beauty of having diversified offerings in space. So where do we find that this makes sense for you? This makes sense mm-hmm. for you in this space in here? Because that's what your audience are looking for. That's what parents and students are looking for. When you think about it, this is a vulnerable part in any journey in life decision. These decisions matter, right? The decision matters to the student, to the family, to the community. That's how I think about it, you know? We go back to our own experiences in going to college, that meant a lot, right? There was a community decision of my going to Yale. It was a family decision. It was a personal decision. You mm-hmm. know, it was also a decision to come back to grad school and what that means as well, right? And so finding the space in there, I was talking to somebody before that I said, oftentimes, you know, students are the first one to find the space that makes sense for them before their teachers and counselors, before their parents, and we've always even identified to them, right? So that kind of direct space, and if you look at our younger generations that we go into it, that authenticity is important, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to be authentic Mm -hmm. to the university and space in there. And I, I, like you said, if if you're not a space that fosters intellectual curiosity, you can't have a campaign that talks about intellectual curiosity. Exactly. It's going to shine through. It's like, oh, that's not cool, right? If you're not a campus that fosters diversity, which I hope that every campus does, but sometimes the definition of diversity is stretched in many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. lean into the diversity that you're not, you know, and trying the space. Because often, like you said before, you may not understand what's unique about you as an organization. Exactly. So then you're doing, exactly. as my daughter would say, you're trying too hard. Right? <laughs> exactly. You're doing too much. Doing too much. That's, what, that's the <laughs> other thing that we say right after that.
0: <laughs> I'm curious to hear some of your goals for uh, the American Marketing Association. What are you trying to achieve under your leadership and how do you propose you'll
1: get there? Oh, my goodness. A lot of hard work some grit, imagination, and just determination. That's how you get to anything in life that's worth achieving, right? You'll hear me say that no matter where I am. I say it to my kids, I say it to my friends, I say to people that on the street, it's that combination of those things, right? I always hire people who are smart, hungry, and creative, right, if you have those things together, then we can figure it out. But to that end, I came in with the challenge of our space for us to grow our organization to be more reflective of a contemporary professional association so what's a contemporary professional association it's dynamic it integrates communities right so students and teachers and faculty and practitioners and cmos and independent contractors how do we find ways to bring together a community that's built on reinforcing practice so we understand how marketing grows and evolves we recognize that we are a science and an art together that's what i love about a contemporary profession we are all those things. We are also an aspiration. As a profession, what I love about being in professional associations is we often answer that question, that age-old question that we all had is, what do I want to be when I grow up? At the end of the day, that's what a professional association answers, right? It's what I wanted to be as a young marketing kid. It's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be a CMO. I wanted to be the space in there. I think building a professional association has to have that aspirational, inspirational arc as well that carries you through the tough times of doing marketing preps when you're not getting budget that leads you to being the CMO of the global NGO that you're interested in, right? Or moves you along the line of now being responsible for brand and engineering at a technology company. Those are all the things in there. So I want to see the AMA really expand the vision that it has, which is being the essential community for marketing. And I love that it's so pure in the language that it is essential is inclusive of everything, right? It's all the things you need. It's the conversations. it's the support, it's the challenge, it's the knowledge, it's the research. Those are all things that are part of community when community is powerful and successful. I think that that's important. I think it's also important for us to refine as a profession so that we have a voice of how we show up in the world, how we lead through and in marketing in the world. I think that makes sense. We talk about conversations today about technology and AI and, and privacy. Those are all ethical practice conversations that should be had in the marketing space, right? We, we do ourselves a disservice and we shy away from those spaces in there. You know, we don't get to do the ads and then not think about how it impacts people, right? That's not a space That's only, right. we don't get to use all the data and not have a trust conversation about how you want your data used, right? right? These are the professional ethical dilemmas and space in which we as a practice need to set our game rules. We don't need anybody to regulate for ourselves. We self-regulate in that sense. And that, so that's what I want to build, a space where that happens And hey, people find a home to be excited about marketing. Yeah. What would
0: you say are some of the biggest obstacles that exist right now between you and this goal
1: that you've just described? Time is space, right? Because we've got the determination. We've got a space. um, I tell my teams all the time, I'm greedy when it comes to being around smart people. Right. I'm greedy about building teams and exciting space in there that I believe that we all have something contribute. We all have space in there. And if you set the vision large enough and set it out there, that that becomes what we push towards. So it's kind of time and space. We'll build to that. We're talking about some concepts that are been important, but we haven't as an organization focused on them until recently. Right. And once again, you know, going back to my premise, you don't hire me to do the same thing you've been doing before. Right. So we, you know, I I love the fact that our conference, our higher at conference now. Our keynote was Dr. Marcus Collins. What he represents in our space is the difference of how we've structured. We've always had in the AMA these siloed communities. But Marcus is an engineer turned MBA practitioner turned PhD researcher who is both doing strategy at major global agencies with big clients, but also running research and teaching. So he is all the communities in one. And that's more about what a contemporary practice looks like. I talked to lots of folks who were like, I'm working as a practitioner, but I'm teaching a course. You know, I've been in school, but I'm setting up my consultancy, right? That these lines never really mattered. Think about it. They were artificially put into that. But when you think about a creative practice and how you show up, you know, I, I know that. from the conversation with him and reading his book and everything else, his teaching is influencing his time with students is influences his practice, Right. Marketing is a type of profession, it's a contemporary profession, that rewards that type of moving in, out, and around. We look at kind of that having the distance, having the perspective. Right. Um, I was encouraging many of our higher ed marketing leaders to ask them, how many of you have AMA chapters on their campus? And it was this kind of aha moment, not to shame anybody, but kind of sometimes the answers are right in your face. And we were having this executive forum to talk about how we can have more voice of the young customer voice of the space in there, authenticity and storytelling and all the spaces that go along with it. And raising that in a room of 100 people, a handful of people raised their hands. And I was like, you do realize you've got marketing students who are on your campus who would be incredible resources to be interns and junior staff in the offices there. And they're literally across the campus. I had so many people come to me after <laughs> and go, oh my goodness. I did not think about that. And I'm like, hey, I get the benefit of my position to see that X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. campus you know, AMA student chapter is competing in the brand competition and killing it. And the marketing department at the university is like, we're having a hard time figuring out how to market. But I have that perspective and being in this unique role to say, our answers are in each other. Right. And that's the power of community. Our answers are together. Imagine how much the students would learn from being in your office mm-hmm. and imagine how mm-hmm. much you can learn from bringing them in. So that's the space of your example. That's what I want to grow and build on AMA until it powers in and on itself, right? So it's a small we task. are always not a it's two not. plus two, but what do we do to amplify that? What is the exponential extension of that? Totally. So that, that's what I want to do during my free time. It's noble work. I always grew up loving being a marketer and I want other people to have that, that love, right? And there's opportunity. And, and I see the connection we talked about before. I like to build things that weren't mm-hmm. there before and see those opportunities. And that was just a great example where it was like, it doesn't cost us any money. All of a sudden, you've got a focus group that needs experience that you can share. And all of a sudden, there's a resource that ties in. And now our university space in higher ed is learning upon itself, right, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a next level of a meta uh, learning experience that I think that professional associations can help bridge in the gap, right? We spend four years in college and undergrad, sometimes five, right? Mm -hmm. And then we spend a couple years in grad school if we do a professional education, but we spend more time outside. But as you know, as you're marking university, you're going to spend a year or so recruiting people to school, another four or five while they're in school, but the rest of their engagement is as an alum. It's kind of this lifelong learning and engagement that goes into it. Professional organizations get to be a partner with you at that space. Like, how do we keep pulling those things back in? How do we keep creating the learning prompts and opportunity?
2: It's hard being a college or university president. Higher education leaders face tough choices, and the best path forward isn't always clear. Neither is how to communicate about the choices that an institution has to make. Trusted Voices explores the complex intersection of leadership and communication. Each episode hosts Teresa Valerio-Parrott and Aaron Hennessy chat with university presidents, industry thought leaders, and each other about the latest news in the industry and the challenges and opportunities facing those in the most visible roles in higher ed. Season 2 of Trusted Voices kicked off with Rice University president Reginald DeRoche, joining Teresa and Aaron to discuss the importance of openness and how to embrace politics at one of the most prestigious universities in the country, and more great guests and critical conversations lie in store. Listen to Trusted Voices on the Volt Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So we talked a little bit about what some of the biggest opportunities for higher ed marketers that exist now. I'm curious what you see the future of higher ed marketing to be or look like.
1: You know, I think if anything with marketing in there, there's going to be a lot of focus on measurable results because that's the language that everybody translates to. If we're all focusing on that, so that gets us out of like we have our own language, as many disciplines do. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we get the negative space in there, like, hey, it's marketing speak that that's a negative thing. I don't, you know, see that as a negative space in there. I think we have language that we put into the business lexicon that's important. I do sometimes think we have language that confuses people, right? And sometimes our language predates what other people know to be true, right? So we are talking about some stuff and people are like, I have no idea. And then skip down 10 years, like, oh, that's what that is, right? I think that, you know, we're going to have to make sure we're tied into the mission and the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, And in organizations, the mission and numbers should live in concert, right? They don't sometimes, but we're going to have to tie it in there because that's going to show our value at the larger table and conversation. You'll have goals that you have to achieve, right? And that's, that's real talk that marketing can't be absolved of being involved in that part of our operation and organization. But if we are, then we have not only the permission, we have the access to lead at the table, being having a fluency in those, in that part of the business and the impact is really critical.
0: I totally agree. I was talking to someone not too long ago, sometime last summer, I think and they posited that marketers, chief level marketers specifically should have some influence on the product like what yeah. that looks like if you mm-hmm. are if we are supposed to be so fluent in so many things as you so well described at the top of this conversation then that information should be integrated with what the product looks like and feels like and what the experience right. is right. for the end user and i have been thinking about that since last summer it makes sense i mean it would be mm-hmm. another thing to add to the already full plate of a university higher ed marketer, but it feels like it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it really does. And just even being a part of the design for Space and I remember having a story one time early on when I was a brand management intern at a big consumer packaged goods company in Cincinnati. We just keep it nameless. We're working on a product and we were working on a launch of a sensitive version of the product. But the package team, the design team, and the other part of the marketing team hadn't been brought into it until we were down the line. And so you were tasked with trying to adjust the product that was built with the old parameters that was bulky and dark and, and heavy and deep navy blue that they said, hey, make it sensitive. And so <laughs> the solution ended up being put a, a pink flower on it. And it was this experience as a young intern in brand professional. I'm like, this might have been helpful if like this part of the system had been brought in earlier, if design right. had been brought in earlier, if the market space had been brought in earlier, because clearly there are some goals and spaces in there then what was designed and what dealt with the end was not the optimum success, right? And
2: yeah, it doesn't right.
1: mean that marketing has to be the engineer of the idea and building it all out, right. you know, but in a racy model, we should be somewhere in that <laughs> conversation. Right. <You> know, <laughs> right, We We might have a point there and go, yeah, we've seen that it sounds right, but when it's introduced in the marketplace, it doesn't really work, right? Mm-hmm. Or interesting point if you consider it that, or wow, great, I got a heads up, that this is coming down. This mm-hmm. is going to fundamentally change the way we communicate with parents which isn't a bad thing, but it's a material thing, right? Right. You know, and having that guidance and insight in there, it may give you a head start of redeveloping how we communicate.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap, I have one
1: more question. Okay. Um, right. And that is... You don't want to talk to me anymore, my, ma- my friend? I, I would one. love to, but I want to be respectful <laughs> of you time too. We, we have
0: five yeah. minutes left. Yes, You're yeah. You're a man.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, what does AMA look like in five years? Oh, my goodness. I want it to look like what we just stop the mm-hmm. Contemporary Professional Association for Marketing. I want it to be a place that is a resource that you go to, to help you with what you need today and help you think about what you need tomorrow. I want it to be a space that's both aspiration and inspiration of what can we be? What can you do? What can we create? And I want it to be a space that's committed to a generative and evolving profession. Right. I want anyone who has an inkling that they want to be involved or need to be involved in marketing to feel like they have a lane to enter. Whether you're a student at a four-year university or coming out of community college or an influencer who just created your first video, I want this to be a space. You know, whether you're the dean or the CMO, that you see space and find value that is marketing. So that's my goal. And that for me, that's a contemporary professional association. It brings it all in together and it's essential. I love that. I love it. I will
0: say from a very personal perspective that working in an industry where there are so few people who look like me, having a CEO who looks like me of an organization that represents the industry that I'm in is wild to me. It is important to me. It strikes me. It's important. Yeah. And so I thank you for your service to the industry, to the organization. I am honored to be a part of the planning committee for the higher ed symposium that AMA hosts every year. I will say to our listeners, we have started the planning process already. We just left Chicago in November and we were scheduling the first planning meetings as we speak. So be on the lookout for 2024 materials for session applications, Uh, for sponsorship opportunities, decide who's going to go. Last year, we had the largest gathering of higher ed marketers in the history of AMA. And so we'd like to top that this year. So be on the lookout for some things coming out in in the coming months. But Benny, thank you so much for joining me on Higher Voltage today. It was an honor and a pleasure. And we are excited to see what happens next with the organization.
1: Well, Kevin, I appreciate it. Thank you for the warm words, your dedicated service, and this platform to engage in conversations that matter. Look forward to seeing you in person in Las Vegas this year because we're going to yes. have the largest of the largest. We're going to best yes. this year. And it's all about bringing community to move us forward. So thank you.
0: Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Higher Voltage. We'll be back soon with a new episode. And until then, you can find us on Twitter at Volt Higher Ed. And you can find me, Kevin Tyler, on Twitter at Kevin C. Tyler2.